Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about J6 and the Women's Day and Hershey's and Stanford. That's my first five. Meet the Independent Women's Voice. Love this group. And Andy Botner joining us. I hope she's in the middle of a busy time at Capitol Hill, but I believe she's going to be joining us briefly to talk about that. Hershey's Chocolate Standing for Women, uh, the J6 Tape, Time for Truth, and Mega Orwellian Stanford, The Snitching Agenda. I can't wait to tell you that story. So I'll tell you all about that on America Can We Talk. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again, and welcome to America Can We Talk, and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Well, today, Wednesday, is Independent Women's Day. Uh, it's actually International Women's Day. It's this idea of celebrating women, and that's uh, what we're going to be talking about a lot in the show today. We have joining us in just a moment, I hope and believe, uh, a woman named Andy Botner, who is with the Independent Women's Voice, and this is kind of a, a piece of the Independent Women's Forum, great organization, Independent Women's Network, and Independent Women's Voice. And these are just really smart, policy-oriented, deep-thinking, activist, brilliant women uh, who do so much to speak up for women. So I thought they'd be a great group to celebrate today on the um, show. So we're hoping she's going to be available to join us. I met with her last week, but she's in, actually she's on Capitol Hill right now, hoping very much she can pull away and join us um, via, via Skype. But the other things we'll talk about today in this quick kind of run through in the first five, we're going to be talking about the uh, kind of mess Hershey's chocolate created for itself. They tried to have their celebration of Women's Month, I guess it's Women's Month, um, by having a trans activist, which in plain English is a guy who likes to dress up like a girl and pretend he's a girl, wear girl clothes and makeup and girl style clothing and kind of pretend that he's really a girl. And that was going to be their spokesman for Women's Month. So Hershey's kind of big, it's actually very entertaining and also kind of a serious thought that I want to share with you about that when we get to that. Um, and then also we're going to be talking about the January 6th tapes, which you likely know were released uh, by Speaker McCarthy just to Tucker Carlson. And Tucker Carlson, a few days ago, uh, released and began talking about what was uh, on those tapes, or play very short segments for you from those tapes, but really talk about how consequential it is that these tapes were hidden from the American public, not available to protect people who are being prosecuted, or in my view, persecuted for their conduct on January 6th, is as monumentally consequential to how all of us think of what occurred on January 6th, 2021, uh, whether or not their ethics, uh, what the ethics were of the January 6th committee, because what you're going to see today, they saw all during their investigation. I believe what Tucker Carlson revealed, what the tapes reveal, really does put the lie that to the argument the left made that this was an insurrection on January 6, 2021. It was a protest, a minute number of people engaged in bad conduct, and most people there were rather orderly, um, or they were, as um, Tucker Carlson described it, engaged in kind of peaceful chaos. But we're going to talk more about the consequence of that. And last, we're going to talk about Stanford University that has, um, I'm going to tell you that the term that has been now used to describe what they're doing, they have a pernicious snitching as in tell on each other apparatus, and even the professors at Stanford are saying, wait a minute, we're so woke at this school that we're encouraging students to turn in other students anonymously for misgendering, failing to use proper pronouns, speaking in a manner somebody else finds offensive. I mean, you talk about Orwell couldn't have written it any better. I got to check with my happy producer here. Do we have Andy Botner? We do not. Okay. So I'm going to wrap up the first five by saying I hope we get her. Um, I think she is trying to get on. She was on some... Um, important meetings on Capitol Hill. And so she was going to try to step away and tell us about what she uh, is doing on Capitol Hill, which I, I do want to share with you. But I think I'll wrap up the first five by saying, um, let me send her a text while I'm talking to you. Okay. Um, uh, 
I think it, um, if we can get her, great. If we don't, I'll just tell you anyway about her organization. But my little intro just then, my very fine friends, was today's first five. Okay, so the person we may get on with us, I hope we do, it's a woman named Andrea Botner, and um, she she's part of this Independent Women's Forum, Independent Women's Voice, Independent Women's Network. They are related organizations. The Independent uh, Women's Forum is a C3. They just advocate on policy, uh, and then they have these other two kind of sister organizations. But all of them are under the umbrella of this idea uh, of this organization, Independent Women, um, who are essentially trying to speak up in a uh, nonpartisan and nonpolitical and um, really uh, a substantive way about uh, issues facing women. And they are just an extraordinary uh, organization. Their, uh, their website is just full of great articles and studies they do. But the reason that Andy Botner came to Texas last week, she was meeting with kind of conservative women leaders around the state. Um, and so in Dallas, I met with a small group with her. And the gist of what she was talking about was this idea um, that there was a, um, a need to have, to, it kind of went both ways a need to set up little groups within the states. So you have the Independent Women's Forum organization, uh, you know, they're back east, I think they're based in New York City. So, you know, but they really, they have a national network, they have serious, wonderful, substantive experts on a variety of issues. They put out policy papers. So they really do a great job and they're kind of trying to be a voice on Capitol Hill and a voice in America for the idea that women are not necessarily leftists, which is really to counter what happens so much in American politics, which is the left tries to claim that we stand for women. Well, that's not really true at all. The left stands for issues they believe in. They stand for, you know, pro-abortion up until and after childbirth, which is not a, a view shared by, even by a majority of women. And so leftists try to claim we stand for women when what they really stand for is some left-wing view um, that is an incompatible and, and just not in any way consistent with or even relevant to standing up for women. So this organization, Independent Women's Forum, got going. Uh, they have great experts. Then they have Independent uh, Network, Independent Women's Voice. So Andy Botner came to Texas to talk about trying to set up organizations around uh, the country in various states where those uh, organizations would, and you know, I, I saw one of them, uh, one of the women who'd set one up talking about it. She was saying, it's just like, you know, you feel like if you're active politically, a lot of places, everyone, if they hear you're politically active and you're a woman, they assume you're a leftist. They assume you're a, not just a Democrat, but probably a leftist. And so she was, it's the idea of setting kind of little groups that can meet and talk and just kind of reassure each other, yeah, not all women are crazy leftists. And as a matter of fact, many women are just, you know, patriotic, America-loving, freedom-loving groups. And so it, it, this Independent Women's uh, Voice organization is helping to set up groups in states around the country, small groups of women who come together and they can just meet in someone's home and they may not even talk about policy issues. They may just say, you know, let's all have some, you know, have a charcuterie board and a glass of wine or whatever it is, sit around and talk about things we care about and believe in and feel like they're in a safe environment where they can share their conservative views. Not a Republican women's organization, not even a name, not even a group with a conservative word in it, but just women who think more pro-America, pro-patriotic. And so they started these groups, and the two-way, uh, the benefits kind of go both ways, uh, which uh, one is that they say benefit because women around the country, in fact, this one group was really quite entertaining to look at the, they just had a gathering in someone's home, but it's like women in the community who see each other at you know, sporting events or at their tennis club or in the neighborhood, wherever they hang out at the gym, and you never really know where women stand, but it's kind of like to give women a, play, a little uh, group that's their own to sit and talk in home so they get reassured. And they also, though, those groups exist, and this actually helps the lobbying or the advocacy on Capitol Hill and in state legislatures around the country to have someone say, you know, from independent women's voice to say, well, actually, we have 30 groups in the state of Texas, and that means about 400 women. And uh, this group, these groups of, you know, 30 groups, 400 women, I'm just pulling those numbers out of the air, but it's a way for people advocating in Washington to convince legislators, convince legislators that actually there are plenty of women 
who want them to do the right thing, who don't want them to be dragged down to the leftist solution that left-leaning organizations want, is to give a voice to women, to the legislatures around the country to say, we don't want an open border. We don't want boys playing in the girl and girls sports. We don't want guys in the girls locker room. I mean, in all sorts of issues, it gives the advocate going to someone in Capitol Hill or someone in the state legislature a basis to say, it's not just us saying this. It's not just our little group. We have groups around your state. You have, you, Mr. Senator, have constituents in the state of Texas, whatever the number is, 30 groups, 400 women, that all want you to do the right thing on this. So it really, it helps um, consolidate the voice of women for conservative, rational solutions uh, instead of the lunacy that um, they that they sometimes advocate. There's another thing that I really like and want to mention about, I guess Andy didn't make it to this call. She was, as I said, at some meetings in Capitol Hill, she said she would try to step out and get on the phone with us, but obviously was not able to do that. Um, so I'll tell you one other thing I want to push, and she'll come on. Oh, we do have her now. Okay, we do have her now. All right, so I think we may only have her by voice. Do we have her on video, Mr. Uh, not really. Okay, well, well, let's just bring her on, see how we do. Please welcome to the show, Andy Botner. Hi, Debbie, how are you? It's great to be here. I'm glad you're here. I'm asking Amelia to turn your voice up in my studio and we can just put her picture up. I, I sent that to you. Okay, you got that. Okay. So I'll just tell you, this is a woman I was talking about, Andy Botner. Um, and Andy, I just started telling our happy listeners about Independent Women's Forum, Independent Women's Network, Independent Women's Voice. And I was just going to start talking about the Women's Bill of Rights. Great time that we connected with you. So if you can, if you would, tell our listeners this great idea you guys have about the Women's Bill of Rights. Oh my gosh, well, Debbie, thank you. This is great timing. I'm actually in one of the Senate buildings here in DC, and all I've been doing is talking about the Women's Bill of Rights. Uh, as we know, it is Women's History Month in March, so we are pushing, pushing, pushing our Women's Bill of Rights. Basically, it's about as simple as you can get. It says that male and female are different, and they've been always categorized as different, and we need to make sure that we keep those differences in mind. And women, uh, biological females, have a right to privacy and security and places on sports teams and in sorority houses without being put aside or um, tossed aside by uh, those who are saying that they feel like women. There are differences between men and women, and we're simply stating that. That is a shocking statement. No, <laughs> it is. It's kind of a funny thing how we could be in the place in 2023 where someone's saying there are differences in men and women. It is kind of seen as maybe a controversial statement. I mean, who are you to say? But I just, it's just rationality. It's just reality. And I love that you all are pushing that. So uh, the Women's Bill of Rights, I actually printed it out, have it in front of me. But I love the assertion that there are obvious biological differences. Um, and they, and you know, I, I was thinking about this on the way here, actually, driving here. How, you know, the organizations that were like, now, for example, a national organization of women and, and other leftists uh, leaning, they got started trying to push for fairness for women, saying it's not fair that women don't have equal access to education and sports teams and jobs and whatever the arena in life, because they were recognizing women were treated differently. But now at this point, the, when this issue is kind of right in front of our faces, when we have, we have women wanting to compete on sports teams and they have a anatomical male who is stronger and bigger and faster being able to compete against them, it seems like the obvious answer is stand up for women. So it really, uh, but that's not where you hear much of, much of the left going. So so the, the uh, your Bill of Rights is on your website. Um, and I think, is that on the uh, voice website? It's at um, IWV.org, is that right? IWV.org, absolutely. And then there's even a way that you can sign members of the public can go to Women's Bill of Rights and sign their name, click on and, and do that and show their support from wherever they are. And, you know, Debbie, I have to say to you, too, you, you make a great point. There are so many of these so-called feminist organizations that have been silent on this. But I have to really um, shout out to the Women's Liberation Front, which is definitely a left-leaning uh, progressive women's organization. They were with us from day one 
on this women's bill of rights. And that matters because we can go in and we can talk to lawmakers and we can say, look, you've got people, you know, on the right side and the left side of the spectrum. And we're united in this. We're standing for women, right or left. So I just want to, you know, really thank the Women's Liberation Front for their solidarity in this. I agree wholeheartedly, and I actually think it's really kind of a common sense thing. There's really not a reason why whatever your political persuasion is, you know, even if you'd say you're far left or far right, why you wouldn't be able to recognize that the uh, biological anatomical differences between the sexes are going to mean that there are going to be differences in how they perform. So they, it's, it's, I'm, I'm happy that group joined you, and, and, but not surprised because it's just common sense. I also want to have you tell our listeners about the groups you're trying to organize around the country in various states. You know, why are you doing it? Groups of women who are like-minded, why are you doing it? What the benefit is to your cause? Well, thanks, Debbie. And, and again, it was such a treat to be in, in Dallas last week because we recognized, you know, most of our work was focused here in Washington, you know, at the federal level. And we have people all around the country, you know, colleagues. We have a virtual office. We've got folks everywhere. And we soon figured out, especially in the last couple years, when we saw such grassroots activism during and after the COVID shutdown, we thought, you know, we've got to get our voice out in the states. We have to find women in states across the country who are willing to stand up and to be educated and informed about the issues of the day and to have a good time doing it and feel supported by friends in their community. So we have really pushed to start these independent women network chapters. And I, that's how we met Debbie, and I'm so thrilled that Dallas is going to have a chapter soon. And I, yep. I can't thank Carol Nichols and Nancy Mello enough for stepping forward to say, hey, Dallas needs a voice for women. I love it, too. I, I love it, too. And I just, you know, I love the, it is a funny thing. I was saying before you came on how I think a lot of women, uh, you know, in public generally, if they're not involved in, in political parties, People, women can be a little bit hesitant to speak up on any issues around other women because a lot of people think, well, you know, if you're a woman, you're probably a little left-leaning, you're probably, and, and to have a place where you can talk with other women who are like-minded and really just want a, uh, a fair shake for women, want not just in sports, but in all sorts of arenas in life, uh, and want to have um, advocacy for women that's not just a, a, a strident angry advocacy, but actually a pro, another good thing, great, great thing you do is very pro-family in your organization, very pro-family, pro-parent, which mm -hmm. is a, um, something that I think is, is healthy and vital, but there are women a kind of thing, I'm not sure you're supposed to talk that way as women. If you would, and, and I, I don't want to mix up which organization did this, but one of your related organizations has put together a series of videos that relate to um, the transgender issue and having young women who have emerged from having gotten drawn into that and trying to come back out of it and say, I, I made a mistake. I really, I, I wish I hadn't got um hadn't got drawn into that. Can you just briefly describe the effort made on, on the one of your organizations made to get the stories out there about the danger of the transgendering of young people? Yes, yes, Debbie. So we have a series of videos. We call them the gender identity crisis videos. You can find um, mention of them in links, iwf.org and iwv.org. Just to be safe, I would check both. But we recognize that the storytelling is so important. And so by talking to real people who have undergone this sort of situation or trauma, we want and are willing to talk and share their story. We realize how important it is to capture their situation and then with their permission to share it with others so that there's awareness raised about it. And you know, a lot of times what we hear on so many of these issues People say that really doesn't happen, or you know, I don't think yeah. that's really a problem in our community. But when we show a real person telling their story, we're able to prove yes, indeed, it's happening, and there's something to be activated around. Absolutely, and honestly, the difference between reading a report or a story or statistics or a bullet-pointed argument between that and looking in the face of a young person who is really, in the case of some of them, I mean, they're very brave to be coming forward and they're 
tender and they went through an experience or and one of the main messages they're saying is why didn't society protect me why didn't the school protect me from doing this to myself i was young and vulnerable and uh, i wish someone had told me and helped me get through my problems uh, and challenges in life without going through this transition process that is, is very difficult to reverse and is life altering i mean you're so right the videos the stories they they, they make a huge difference um in, and in helping go ahead oh and you know what else too what we found you know listening to these different stories um the parental involvement is really shocking and i should say the lack of it yeah. because you start to see you know an effort of secrecy being put around these kids these minors you know in some cases there was really a strategy to keep the parents out of it and to yep. try and keep it between you know the student and someone at school and that's alarming that's alarming i think to most americans when they think that there's an effort to keep parents out of their children's decisions uh, whether it's gender, whether it's school curriculum, but that needs to stop. I mean, that's just happening too much and across too many different areas. Absolutely. It's also another issue, uh, like other ones we talked about, where it really shouldn't be partisan. It shouldn't really matter um, whatever your political leaning is, or it certainly shouldn't matter your race or ethnicity. It's just a human issue. And many people want, would very much appreciate having uh, candor about the issues children are going on in their children's lives, having the school treat the parents as allies and as people who have primary responsibility. Uh, it's not at all a partisan issue. Well, you know what? I know you're on Capitol Hill. I want to just ask you quickly, if people like the idea of forming a group within their state, like we did here in Dallas. We're going to have our IWN Dallas, Independent Women's uh, Network in Dallas, and I'm going to be a charter member, so I'll be fun. But um, how can people do that? How can they reach out to tell you, I'd like to do that in my state? Well, um, first of all, what they can do is go to the go to iwnetwork.com. And there is a way that they can send a message into our, you know, the director of that program to say, hey, I would like to start such a chapter. You let us know and we will have someone reach out to you, introduce you to what it's about, and then basically do whatever we can to help you launch that chapter. And then you're part of the community, too. Like, we don't go away. You know, you join a large, I think right now we're about 30,000 members online members and across the country so you become part of our community and there's a platform there for you and you know we we hope to have that collaboration for years ahead and debbie if there's ever an issue if someone can't get through feel free you contact me and if, you know if someone contacts you debbie just shoot me a note Absolutely, I will. And again, we now we up on the screen, IW Network. He just took it away while I said IWNetwork.com, um, correct? Yes. Okay, I urge people to do that. I mean, I urge you to sign on to the Bill of Rights thing. I urge you to just think about those issues and think about actually how much commonality and, and um, camaraderie and friendship can be built among women around these issues that really aren't partisan at all. They're just kind of human nature, uh, common sense issues that really could help uh, American families, especially moms and women bond. I, I mean, just it, it's a very uplifting thing you're doing. So I know that you very are very busy on Capitol Hill. Um, I just can't tell you. Um, I'm glad we met last week. I and look forward to staying in touch with you. Andrea Botner, thank you for all you do. Thank you, Debbie. So appreciate your support. Have a great um, March, Women's History Month ahead. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much. You have a great day too. Okay. So my very fine friends, that that lady, honestly, she was, you know, we, we had this meeting I was talking about in Dallas, as she alluded to uh, last week, and it was just great to see a bunch of, these are a bunch of very successful women, maybe 10 or 12, um, women and they all have done a lot in life and they're successful and they're passionate and they they uh, they love the idea of bonding with other women who think like they do um, and, and they aren't women who are necessarily politically active I happen to be also really politically active but these women uh, are just people who want to say I, I want to make a difference and I want to help put right ideas out there to replace all the kind of crazy ideas that um, are out there instead and that's a great segue to my next topic. So my next topic I call uh, Hershey's Chocolate Standing for Women. Now I have to tell you that I really hate to say anything bad about Hershey's because I really like candy. I especially like Hershey's milk chocolate. I really, really do. Um, but 
Uh, what happened, this, this recent episode, it really ties in so well to what we were just talking about. Uh, in the effort to celebrate, this is Women's Month and today's Independent Women, uh, International Women's Day. Um, in this effort to celebrate uh, that, there was, a, there was a decision made by Hershey's Candy uh, to put out an ad that um, talks about, um, I'm going to try to get to the right one, uh, that talks about... Um, this is the clip that is uh, the person who did the tweet was tall tan one, lots of other chocolate companies to buy, <laughs> buy from. This is what Hershey chose to do to celebrate uh, Women's Month. They put this ad out. My name is Faye Johnstone. I'm the executive director of Wisdom to Action. We can create a world where everyone is able to live in public space as their honest and authentic selves. See the woman changing how we see the future at Hershey's Canada. Okay, that's a guy. I mean, you could probably tell from the voice. That is a male who's decided to dress as a female and wear uh, female clothing and makeup and hairstyle and all that. I have no idea uh, where he is in the transition process, and I don't even want to know. I don't care. But that was Hershey's effort, the corporate decision by Hershey's Canada to say, this is how we're gonna celebrate independent, you know, International Women's Day and, we're, and Women's Month. We're gonna celebrate by putting a guy on screen in our ad and dressed as a woman and push this, you know, they break down Hershey, which you know how it's normally, they're correctly spelled, the company Hershey, but they have her and she, and they're, they're just, you know, using the whole uh, play on the pronouns. And that's how they decide to celebrate um, Hershey, the uh, International or, or Women's Month uh, here in March. And so there was a response by a guy uh, named Jeremy Boring. Um, and he had a video where he responded to the video you just saw. And here's his response. International Women's Day is upon us again. And I love an international woman. But our friends over at Hershey's, they don't even know what a woman is. They've hired a biological male to be the spokesperson for their Women's Day campaign. And they're calling that campaign, and I swear I'm not making this up, her, she, her, she. It's humiliating. And it's the reason that I'm launching Jeremy's Chocolate. We have two kinds, she, her, and he, him. One of them's got nuts. If you need me to tell you which one it is, keep giving your money to Hershey's. But if you're tired of giving your money to woke corporations that hate you, and you're looking for a delicious chocolate bar from a company that actually wants your business, head over to IHateHershey's.com and order Jeremy's chocolate today. Okay, so this is kind of an entrepreneurial and kind of funny response. This, in fact, this is the same guy, Jeremy, who uh, came up with Jeremy's razors, uh, like for men, you know, when they shave their face, a, a razor for men. And he's got Jeremy's razors because he's pushing back on, um, you know, there, there was a totally woke ad by one of some of the razor company. So he kind of seized on Hershey's foolishness. But on a more serious note, Hershey's pushed back. When Hershey's got a lot of uh, criticism, in fact, something uh, was trending on Twitter. Um, uh, it was something that was criticizing them. Um, this was a, uh, yeah, it was starting to trend on Twitter. And Hershey's stood right up and said, absolutely, we stand with our ads. And we love our ads. And we love standing for women. And they are talking about men. So I'm going to tell you very quickly a couple more things Hershey's had to say. But I also want to tell you, um, I actually texted myself. I was checking um, uh, earlier today. I was curious how the... Um, the organization called NOW, National Organization for Women, uh, what they had to say about men in women's sports, because this kind of ties to my bigger point I want to make. Independent Women's Forum and many other, you know, nonpartisan groups, along with Republican women organizations, Republican officials, are very quick to say, you know, there's really, there really are just men and women, and it's really not fair to women who work so hard throughout high school to excel in a sport, and they get into a college team, they're going to play whatever sport it is, and then the law comes down and says, you have to let biological men play on women's teams. This is a fundamental difference between the right and the left. And so now the National Organization for Women, founded on standing up for women, actually issued a statement in full support of 
men pretending to be women, trans, they call them trans women. It's a man dressing like a girl, playing on women's sports, uh, playing women's sports and being represented. So I'll come back to that. Um, for our radio listeners, you're about to go off on a break, but I, I wanna just tell you what they had to say at the National Organization for Women. Because it's a really good point about, you know, they try to say they stand up for women. That's their, their big thing. I stand with women. But they, they, they have a series of undersigned organizations. They endorse the, this was a statement they made endorsing the Equality Act, which is trying to pretend that men are women, trying to include gender identity in the list of protected groups like race, sex, national origin, religion. They try to, they included in the Equality Act, uh, men who want or pretending to be women or women pretending to be men, even though, because they say it's their gender identity. And so they say one reason the Equality Act is needed is to protect transgender girls and women who face disproportionately high rates of sex-based discrimination, um, including sexual assault, which has devastating effects on their ability to stay and succeed in school as courts and scientists over blah, blah, blah. So they're basically saying the National Organization for Women, among the chief organizations in the country that originally stood up for the idea that women should have equal access to college, equal access to sports, equal access to every kind of... Uh, job, achievement, you know, they shouldn't be discriminated against in anything that they go through in life, from college admission to uh, jobs and raises and, and, you know, positions and careers. Their entire focus was to make sure women had equal access. And, you know, I, I, I'm all with that. I'm glad women have equal access to all sorts of education and career opportunities. But now they're living in 2023. This is National Organization for Women. Now here in 2023 and over the last several years, you have this movement emerge where biological anatomical men who are, and everyone knows it, whether you want to, whether you, it's you know, comfortable to say it or not, they are bigger and they are stronger and they're faster. They're just men are bigger, stronger, faster. Thank God it is the way creation was made. But some men who are bigger, stronger, faster want to compete in women's sports. Now, you'd think an organization like NOW that had for years stood up for women and the right to achieve and dream and succeed and make that college team because you finally have a sports in college, you know, college sports for women. So if they have a men's track team, they have a women's track team. So you're going to let those women compete. They've worked their whole lives up until then, until they go off to college, you know, uh, sacrificing social life to be dedicated to their sport and getting so good they get admitted to college. And they get admitted to college and they're going to in a swimming or or track or any kind of sport and they're going to lose out and they can't win they can't win scholarships to go to college they can't win competitions they can't win anything because the law is now letting men pretend they're women and the national organization is on the side of the men just because they say they're women doesn't make them women. And I, I, this other, I'm, I'm going to hit some other great stories. Today, but I want to just hit one more really great point that I think helps to expose all this crazy. If someone, if a person who was Caucasian did the blackface thing, painted themselves black, made their, their whole skin, uh, their, all their skin surface black, and said, I am here to stand up for Black Lives Matter. I'm here to stand up for the, I mean, tried to speak as a black person. And there have been people who've done this, people who pretended they were really, uh, they were really black or they were, uh, you know, uh, African-American and tried to take a stand. And when they were discovered that you're not really black, the woman, there was a woman who was a big NAACP official who pretended for years to be black, pretended to be a light-complected black person. And when they finally realized that she was a big fat liar and she was actually Caucasian, they booted her out and they were outraged and offended because she's not really black. She wasn't really black. These boys playing in girls' sports aren't really girls. And the idea that we are in such a place of absurdity in our society, absurdity in our society, that the National Organization for Women that used to say they stood for women are taking the sides of the guys who are causing women to be unable to, to lose out on college scholarships, lose out on competition victories, lose out in achieving their dream because they're letting guys 
no matter what they pretend and say they are, they're guys into the mix. So I have to tell you, this this whole um, this whole topic of Inter uh, Women's Month this month, I think it's a really good opportunity to, for everyone to think about who's really standing up for women. Who's really standing up for women, young girls, for families, for teenage girls? It's not the left. It's not the left that is pushing transgenderism in kindergarten, pushing all sorts of transgender grooming uh, ideology and academia from kindergarten on. That's what the left does. And it causes problems like are now being exposed by the Independent Women's Forum and Network. And they have those three divisions, I'm sorry, whichever one it was that developed the, the uh, videos about young girls who are now in their early 20s and are uh, upset and, and lamenting that nobody stood up for them and, and helped them see uh, this transgender uh, craze was wrong and lunatic. And, and they're looking for support. I'm getting the idea if you really stand up for women, as now used to say it does, as Independent Women's Forum really does, and Independent Women's Voice really does, Independent Women's Network really does, then you stand for women. And you, and you therefore must be honest and say, there are women and there are men. This has nothing to do with whether an adult in their adult life decided they want to transition from man to woman, woman to man. You know, when you're an adult, you know, in our country, you can do that. But the assault on young girls, the assault on moms who are left out of all of the angst their daughter's going through because the school hides what they're doing to their children from those children's parents, it's not the left standing up for women. It's not the left standing up for teenage girls. It's not. It is the voices of people. It is it, politically, it's the Republican Party trying to stand up for uh, not surrendering to this gender ideology and this gender identity, uh, just manufactured phenomenon. It is a manufactured, cultivated, psychological operation phenomenon that's being th thrust on American society. It's a conservative saying, you, you shouldn't be doing this. It's not right. And it's the left that is promulgating it and supporting it. So if you and this Interna in this Women's Month or International Women's Day today, if you think you're really strong on standing up for women, then you have just nothing to do with what the left and not just organizations like now, which pretty much have become irrelevant, but there are other left-wing organizations for women, say they're standing for women, and they're not. They're not doing anything like that at all. I'll be talking more about Independent Women's Forum because I think they have a really good thing going. Uh, forum and voice and network and these little groups I'm talking about getting together. I love that too. But we got to hit other stories. And, and on Hershey's, by the way, lots of people are uh, piling up all their Hershey's candy and throwing it in the trash and taking pictures of the trash to prove they're getting rid of it. Okay, I, I guess I probably have to, um, you know think about doing that. As I say, I really like chocolate, but I mean, I'm so disappointed by Hershey and I'm really disappointed because once people started, you know, protesting, the, the woke Hershey Corporation could have said, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, you know, we didn't really mean that. Of course we stand for women, but they didn't. They doubled down. They doubled right down and said, oh yeah, yeah, we stand for this man and these other men. There's a whole series of men. They have a bunch of videos of men dressed up as women, wearing makeup and jewelry and trying to pretend they're women. And that's who they're saying they stand with. And I just love the pure sanity of what Jeremy's chocolate did. I mean, uh, that guy, Jeremy, who made razors and now chocolate, just pointing out the foolishness and the crazy of this, but it does have a more serious side. Hershey's you know, Hershey's is going to suffer some consequences. Hopefully, the message gets through to Hershey's and many other corporations. Stop going along with a lunatic, woke ideology. Get back to the world of reality. Sell good candy. Celebrate, you know, women's, if you're going to celebrate Women's Month, celebrate with real women. But just stop humoring the woke ideology. But there's no way that companies like Hershey will stop doing that unless we do boycott them, unless we say stop buying Hershey's until they stop celebrating men dressed up as girls. Okay, actually, you know, the, I, preparing this show, um, the, it, it was very hard to decide what to do today because I really wanted to have Andy Botner on, and I want to talk about in, uh, on today, um, International Women's Day, and this is Women's Month, but I really want to turn to the astoundingly important story that relates to the release of the January 6th tapes 
uh, by Speaker McCarthy to Tucker Carlson, Fox News host. So in very quick summary, but I have a couple of tapes of, of Tucker Carlson to play. Um, previously, his entire presentation was up at various websites. It's been taken down, but I at least uh, because by Fox is trying to, I guess, you know, assert copyright. But um, I want to just talk about why this is so important. If you think about what videos you saw after January 6th, now we were not in Washington January 6th, so I, you know, I wasn't there, but I have friends who were there, and I have people, um, I've had people on my show who were there. And you think about what images you saw on television, in the news, online, images that were portrayed over and over and over and over at CNN and all the you know, propaganda media, CNN, ABC, NBC, CBS, Washington Post, New York Times, all of them, all the propaganda left-wing media, you often would see very, very short little segments of people who were doing things that were really, really bad. I mean, they were, you know, it was a large number of people in Washington, um, not as large, by the way, as the number of people who showed up in Washington to protest um, the uh, Donald, Tr to protest against Donald Trump's inauguration. I mean, that was a wild, wild, violent, window-breaking protest uh, when Donald Trump was, um, became president back in 2016, or 20, early 2017. Uh, but there was a large crowd in Washington on, this was on January um, 20th in 2016 and, the, and 2017, and the large crowd was there listening to Donald Trump speak. He spoke on the ellipse or near the White House, and then a lot of those people walked across uh, Washington over to the Capitol, and that's where the whole January 6th episode unfolded. And when you think about the videos you saw, you saw the same videos over and over and over and over. You saw a short little snippets. There were people breaking glass, uh, broke windows, and climbed in through windows. And so the image portrayed by propaganda media and by the January 6th committee and everyone on the American left was, was, the, was uh, edited down, was selected to send the message to you that January 6th was a hysterical, out-of-control attack on the Capitol, that as a matter of fact, it was an insurrection. I mean, it was an actual attempt to overthrow the government, which is farcically, stupidly false. I mean, farcically, stupidly false. It was not an insurrection. We'll get to that in a moment. What you didn't see were the hours and hours of tapes that the House uh, Capitol Police held back 40,000 hours. Think about that. How many hours of tape? Because there are tons and tons of cameras all over the Capitol, and they're capturing every little thing happening. And so those tapes were held on to, uh, and you know, you and I didn't see them, the American public didn't see them, but the January 6th committee, the Inquisition Committee, with the two traitors, Republicans, along with the Democrat hit squad, that committee, they had access to all of this. And the reason I do this as a lead-in is if you only saw the tapes that were offered by the media, you would think, my gosh, it practically was a, you know, they practically burned the place down. They practically tore it apart and because you saw tiny little snippets played over and over. So Tucker Carlson had uh, what he got, what he said in his presentation on Fox was, you know, it was a lot of tape, 40,000 hours, a lot of it not you know, interesting or relevant, you know, videotape running of empty doors, empty hallways, I mean, nothing going on. But some of the snippets were hugely consequential. And so I have two of these. Uh, one is one that is Tucker Carlson. I'm, in fact, I'll just have Emilio go ahead and play it, and then we'll talk about it. The first one we have here, the January 6th tape from Tucker Carlson. Surveillance footage of Sicknick walking in the Capitol after he was supposedly murdered by the mob outside. By all appearances, Sicknick is healthy and vigorous. He's wearing a helmet, so it's hard to imagine he was killed by a head injury. Whatever happened to Brian Sicknick was very obviously not the result of violence he suffered at the entrance to the Capitol. More than 40,000 hours of surveillance footage. Going, sorry, did I cut you off? No, I didn't. Okay. So he's got all this uh, video. The first point he's making, I mean, the two points I'm going to hit on is are three points I want to make about the release of these videos. One is the overwhelming number of people who entered the Capitol on January 6, 2021, entered when doors were being held open. 
And, and the video, I mean, I can't play it all now. In fact, I said Fox took most of it down. But it's video of people walking around the Capitol in a very orderly way, getting in line if you wanted to go into the Senate chamber or somewhere else, standing in line politely, smiling and taking selfies of themselves behind you know, someone's office name or something. It was, uh, it was average Americans who had showed up in Washington that day and were you know, deeply troubled by what they thought then and they now know was a stolen election in 2020. So they, are, they went to the Capitol and they, behaved, they didn't engage in any conduct that would be even remotely considered unlawful. So number one point, it was, a, it was a truly overwhelmingly largely peaceful protest, or as Tucker Carlson put it, uh, peaceful chaos. I mean, there were a lot of people, and they had flags. They didn't have weapons, uh, which is kind of an odd insurrection. You don't have weapons, but that's for another point. Uh, so peaceful entry. Number two, you heard in that little clip there, Brian Sicknick. Brian Sicknick was a Capitol Police officer who was reported to have been hit over the head uh, repeatedly with a fire extinguisher, and the left carried this story over and over and over. He was beaten to death, Brian Sicknick, beaten to death by Trump supporters uh, with a fire extinguisher as he's working at the cap as a Capitol Police officer. What the video is showing is the time, because there's a timestamp on it, long after the when the left claimed this had happened, that he, Sicknick, had been beaten over the head with a fire extinguisher. There's Sicknick, you know, helmet on, directing traffic. Oh, yeah, come on in, go that way. Yeah, that's Brian Sicknick. And on top of that, if you didn't know, Brian Sicknick later, you know, he did, so he was the two things that they claimed uh, Trump supporters did to him. One was hit him over the head with his fire extinguisher, which very, very quietly, and, and of course, with no fanfare, the New York Times, uh, you know, re recount, retracted that story. It turns out he wasn't hit. Okay, so that didn't happen. But it was a huge story. I know young people who worked themselves into a lather of hatred for Trump because someone who supported Trump hit Brian Sicknick on the head and killed him with a fire extinguisher, and that never happened. The New York Times, even the New York Times, who hates Trump and Republicans, admitted that. Compound that with, there was a D.C. medical examiner who issued his report talking about Brian Sicknick after he does the autopsy and, they, and Brian Sicknick you know, had passed away to do the autopsy. No evidence of any injury to his head. No evidence of being bashed by anything. So that lie... Even though, you know, you probably heard that, oh, he's the one that got hit with a fire extinguisher. It never happened. And so what Tucker Carlson is saying is, here's this guy walking around where you have to think back, people. All the statements made by January 6th committee members, the House members who were just outraged, all the statements made by all the left-wing punditry world claiming this happened, and there was nothing to it. It didn't happen. Now, outside the Capitol, there were people who had bear spray and... Uh, protesters who had bear spray. Um, I don't know how many, but one of them allegedly sprayed bear spray somewhere in the area of where Brian Sicknick was. Again, DC medical examiner said nothing about his death was caused by anything he inhaled. So if the DC medical examiner, who I'm going to guess is probably a Democrat, says that, then you think, well, what did happen? Well, Brian Sicknick, sadly and unfortunately, had two strokes, two successive strokes, and passed away from the consequence of those strokes. Now, all I want to say about that is how long the left has pushed this lie about Brian Sicknick and, and what you just saw in that video, this has been available to January 6th people all along. There's a separate little clip I have also related to January 6th, and I have sent this to Mr. Emilio. We have that too. Okay, let's roll with that. More than 40,000 hours of surveillance footage from in and around the Capitol have been withheld from the public. And once you see the video, you'll understand why. Taken as a whole, the video record does not support the claim that January 6th was an insurrection. In fact, it demolishes that claim. And that's exactly why the Democratic Party and its allies in the media prevented you from seeing it. Okay, I, we don't have part with the shaman guy. Okay, I'll tell you something else that's in there that I'll have to get it for next time. So you know that everyone in the country who pays attention to politics, you recognize the, the vision. There was a guy who has shown up at other protests too, and they call him the shaman 
QAnon or something like that, the Shaman Q, you know, but he's a guy who, who dresses up in very bizarre clothing and he has the horn kind of thing in his head. I mean, he's been, you know, he, he's a very, they were calling him Shaman and he actually, I discovered listening to uh, originally what Tucker Carlson put out, uh, he's a, a military veteran. He has served America, but he shows up at protests and these Shaman horns like this and, and no shirt on and bizarre makeup. I mean, he looks like he's probably not totally mentally stable. He really does. He looks kind of crazy. But he was at the Capitol that day, and he was a good example of someone who was uh, pictured in the media pictures over and over and over and over, trying to characterize, this is an average Trump supporter. What's in the Trump, what's in the videos from the Capitol Hill, the 40,000 hours that Tucker Carlson released, and this is the most amazing thing, so I'm so disappointed. I apparently didn't grab the right segment I wanted to uh, show you. But this guy, the shaman, was being led around by Capitol Police officers, walking with him. They actually opened the door to the Senate chambers, opened the door, welcomed him in, go ahead. He's in the Senate chambers. The Senate is not there. The U.S. Senate members are not there. He's in the Senate chambers. He offers a prayer of thanks, the shaman guy offers a prayer of thanks for the Capitol Police officers being so nice and, and keeping us all safe. They walk him around the Capitol. He goes to another area. He walks through a crowd of Capitol Police officers who are all standing around talking to each other. The guy has no weapon. He's just walking there looking, you know, with his horns and all that. None of them grab him. None of them tackle him. None of them say, you know, there's a violent protester here. He's walking around looking at the Capitol. And this is the reason, this, this and the Brian Sicknick thing and the doors being held open and the massive number of peaceful average Americans, this is why the left is so hysterical about the fact that, that the uh, tapes, Kevin McCarthy gave access to these tapes to Tucker Carlson. Because that guy, the, the shaman, QAnon, whatever they call him, is actually serving, he got almost a four-year prison sentence. And... And his team, his defense lawyers, did not have access to this tape that he could have said, hey, wait a minute, look, the Capitol Police, they were walking me around. They welcomed me in. They let me walk in. They opened the door so I could go into the Senate chambers. What America is starting to see, to summarize my little segment today, and I'll be talking about this more, we, the American people, have been lied to by the propaganda media in this country, which includes CNN, ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, all of them lied to about the nature of what happened on January 21st, on January 20th, rather, January 20th, 2021. We have been, excuse me, I'm so sorry, January 6th. We have been lied to. We've been lied to about what happened on January 6th, 2021, lied to over and over and over and over and over. We've had a psychological operation against the American people, playing tiny little segments of the video from that day, not letting the American people see that most of the people there were being peaceful, walking around inside, police officers, Capitol Police officers shepherding around this guy who became the face of the villain. This is, I mean, people... We have been lied to about January 6th, and it isn't just because the January 6th committee couldn't wait to prosecute a few people who engaged in a protest. It was a far more nefarious agenda. We've been lied to about what happened on January 6th because the left wanted to use this protest as a basis for convincing ignorant Americans that there really was an insurrection that day. You know, insurrection, no weaponry, people walking in and out, mostly to leaving when they're told to leave. That's what mostly happened that day. You've been treated to a, a you know, it's like a psychological operation, a, a tiny window, utterly not representative of what actually occurred that day. And the agenda is not just to make you mad at Republicans. It is to try to make the American people see Donald Trump as dangerous to see his followers as dangerous, to silence people who might agree with Donald Trump's uh, agenda, his MAGA proposals, his whole idea he's setting forth for America, is to make Donald Trump into a villain that many people will be afraid to speak up for, afraid to support, and to send the message Donald Trump will never be president of the country again. This was, this was a, a massive, massive deception on the part of propaganda media, the January 6th committee, the Democrats in Congress, the, people, the, the networks trying to misrepresent what happened that day.
Donald Trump had a statement out shortly after Tucker Carlson began playing these segments saying, you know, they need to actually release all the January 6th prisoners. We have people serving time, people still sitting in Washington in their jail cells, having been physically abused, truly physically abused by the guards, still have had no due process, don't have their day in court. We are letting our, our leaders in this country engage in banana republic level conduct toward American citizens who we're now seeing more clearly were for the most part engaged in a peaceful and justified protest over concern, their concern about what happened in the fall elections of 2020. January 6th is going to be a day. We need to turn that from a day when the conservatives try to say, well, that was kind of bad, but let's move on to a day that symbolizes, that helps the American people see this is how propaganda media and the American left will treat you. They will lie to you, they'll misrepresent, they will lie to you about everything about America in order to make sure that you, the American people, are never, ever comfortable again supporting Donald Trump. Uh, it, this just, I, I mean, people just could not possibly be uh, more consequential. Um, so I'm going to do one last quick thing um, in the uh, show today, I, and I, you know, we will talk more about why the, the left is so determined not to have you understand January 6th. But very quickly, my last little story, um, I called it, it's about Stanford University, and I'm just going to be able to plant a seed here because we're almost out of time. So radio listeners, uh, we are almost out of time, and um, I want to... Um, uh, encourage you, uh, if you are enjoying listening to the show, uh, I want to encourage you to go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org. You can see the whole entire show um, there on um, online, and um, you can uh, see shows, interviews, or why it matters, features, all sorts of things, but go to americacanwetalk.org to see everything. You're going to go off to a break uh, three minutes before the top of the hour. Radio listeners, you'll be gone. I'll be right here, but check out our website, americacanwetalk.org. Last quick story in 30 seconds for you happy listeners before we turn to why it matters to you. So Stanford University, Stanford, and other uh, elite colleges have had in place a campus-wide system for reporting bias that now, as it turns out, is so Sinister, if you think George Orwell in 1984 painted a society where Big Brother's watching and you're encouraged to snitch on each other, you will not believe what Stanford is doing, has in place the Elimination of Harmful Language Initiative, which includes using software to track the behavior of everyone on campus and to encourage anonymous snitching, encouraging people to turn each other in because I heard him say a pronoun that I did not like. I didn't feel safe because he or she said X. This is so 1984 that it's so bad that even the Stanford faculty, even the Stanford faculty is starting to get worried. More on this next week because I can't do it anymore today. So we close our show as we always do by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started our show today. Um, Hershey's chocolate uh, standing for women. Um, I just want this story. Hershey's chocolate goes all in with trans agenda. Celebrates International Women's Day by honoring a man who wants to be a woman. The right idea of women's rights, equal access to education, careers, leadership roles, equality under the laws to rights to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, respect for motherhood, transgender Genderism is not a women's issue. It's another hyped-ism that affects all of our society. Hershey's conflating of trans with women caused a misfire, and they will pay a big price. Wokeism obviously still has a hold on corporate America. Hershey's believes it is riding unstoppable trends that will redefine a woman. Just the modern iteration of an age-old question, who's the creator? God or man. America was founded on the truth of God as the creator who created men and women. And the J6 tape and Time for Truth, Tucker Carlson's reveal of the content of previously withheld J6 video is stunning. A totally unarmed, mostly peaceful protest by a people who rightly believe their election had been stolen. Nothing remotely resembling a violent insurrection. The QAnon shaman, shaman, how do you say that, um, was guided around the Capitol voluntarily by the Capitol Police. He's a U.S. Navy veteran who was and is anything but a terrorist. Yet this video evidence was withheld from his defense counsel, and he is now in prison for four years. 
Officer Brian Signick was not killed or struck by protesters. He's on video walking around the Capitol after the media reported he had been beaten to death by a protester wielding a fire extinguisher. No possible way to overstate the deeply damaging societal convulsions caused by the willingness of the media, the propaganda media, the Democrats, and the FBI DOJ to lie to the American people about what happened on January 6th. No form of accountability is too severe for the people and institutions that perpetrated this fraud on the American people and the American Republic. And on our mega Orwell Stanford, the snitching agenda, Stanford launches Eliminate Harmful Language Initiative, software tracking of students guilty of biased incidents. Students encouraged to snitch on each other for offenses and do so anonymously. No due process rights for the accused, just forced re-education. They send you off to re-education classes. This is CCP totalitarian style thought control, the very opposite of American free speech. Even some liberal Stanford professors are uncomfortable with this direction. There is nothing good that can come from totalitarian thought control. Demeans the entire human condition. Forces subservience to secular thought masters. Stanford must find the moral compass to reject this or Stanford will decline rapidly. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Tomorrow, Thursday, on America Can We Talk, a very special guest joining us, Katherine Engelbrecht, founder of True the Vote. They are, she's got more things going, new initiatives, new discoveries. She is just a, a, on fire with the idea of bringing fair elections to America. So you want to tune in tomorrow, Thursday, to America Can We Talk. And I want to say a big thank you to Real News PR, Real News Communication Networks for helping make this show possible every single day. And thank you, my listeners, for tuning in to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can